everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adoption Hacks. I'm Candace Laycock, your host. And today on the show, we have Embo, who was a child in foster care. We're going to hear her journey and her perspective as she changed houses and changed schools and what she appreciated in foster homes and what was difficult for her, and also how she ended up uh, in, a, in an amazing home and ended up going to college and now is working with kids in foster care. So it's really an incredible story um, to hear how she's processed things um, through counseling and through supportive people. It's just really incredible to hear. So if you are in foster care yourself, if you are a foster parent, it'd be a great episode for you. All right. Welcome, Embo, to Adoption Hacks. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Of course. I'm so excited to be here. So I really want to dive into all of your story and kind of your perspectives on being in foster care and now that you are um, working with children in foster care, all of those perspectives. So let's just kind of dive right into your story and and hear and hear from you about that. So how did, um, at what age did you go into foster care and, and how did that happen? Uh, I went into foster care for the first time at age seven. And I was living with my mom and and my three siblings, two older brothers, one younger sister. My father had left us uh, prior to this. um, And things were just not going well. Uh, We didn't have food or water um, or electricity at this point. And an upstairs neighbor um, called CPS. And so one day, out of nowhere, a cop just showed up at the door and... um, told us to like go and so we had no clue what was happening we just got in the back of a cop car and we just all all I can really remember is looking back and looking through the window and seeing my mom just weeping um, Mm -hmm. because she had no clue what was happening and so we were just plucked from everything we've ever known um and placed in a group home and so we were there for a while um and then we were placed in our first foster home um, and it was my brother my sister and I my oldest brother was um actually I believe in a group home somewhere else and he um was off doing his own thing um I think because he was too old but we um were actually left alone for a weekend. Our foster mom, she was a single foster mom. So she went away for a weekend uh, with her boyfriend and left us alone. And we were not able to take care of ourselves that whole time. Um, And so the next time our caseworker came, we told her and we were removed immediately Mm -hmm. and placed in another home. And then that home was amazing. It was in Dallas. They were like your quintessential grandparents. They gave us the first Christmas that I can remember. And it was so, it felt so big and elaborate. Um, but I bet it was just, you know, like three presents, you know, something (laughs) just, Mm -hmm. but as a kid, that was just so much, it just, it meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and they would do like two, uh, dollars for every A and a dollar for every B and, and like got us our favorite. Like I was very much in the Hannah Montana at the time. Mm-hmm. but um she like like they got us the Hannah Montana posters and the Hannah Montana dolls and um all that kind of stuff I remember we had a play kitchen in our room 
Um, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Now, that, like when you entered foster care, had you ever even heard that term before? Or was this just completely bizarre that you were being taken away from your mom? Oh, it was completely bizarre. I didn't even okay. know foster care was a thing. Okay. Um, it was just one day you're at home and um, granted, like no electricity, no food or anything like that is mm-hmm. not normal, but to me it was. Um, and so I was just like your regular happy-go-lucky kid, mm-hmm. um, just thriving as much as I possibly could because um, I had no clue that this isn't how people are supposed to live. And um, then you're just plucked from everything and you are just placed in another home and you have to learn all new foods, all new mm. schools, all new families, all new, like, what what is my role in this family? How do I mm. fit? Do I even fit? Just all these different um questions and dynamics that are at play and you have no clue what's going on mm-hmm. um and it's hard it's you're literally placed in another world yeah how long did you end up being with the the family that was the grandparents uh we were there i think maybe a little over a year okay i think um and then we were moved because my mom um was in Fort Worth and we were in Dallas and so the judge wanted us closer to her and so we got into that home and um that home I really don't remember too much other than the fact that there were cameras in the house and so it was very unnerving just all Mm -hmm. the time Mm -hmm. um and just very tension field um and um yeah Hmm. how many homes did you end up being in I was in five homes total okay And every time you're switching schools? Yes. Okay. And even in between all of those things, we were living in our car. We were living in different homeless shelters, um, bouncing around from friend's house to friend's house to friend's house. Mm. And so it really was, schools didn't really even seem like anything. Like it was Mm. just there, um, but it wasn't much of importance. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, but I went to over 26 before graduating high school. My goodness. And did you stay with your siblings each time? Um, yes. I was always placed with my sister up until our very last one. And hmm. um, we were, it was my junior year and my sister's freshman year. Um, and the day after Christmas, we were picked up by CPS. Hmm. Um, and we were not placed together. Um, so we went from literally being with each other all of our lives mm-hmm. every day to seeing each other once a week. Um, and mm-hmm. it was utterly terrible for both of us. Um, and we were really plucked from our first community that we ever grounded ourselves in. Yeah. And so that was very hard in and of itself as well. Yeah. And what was that sibling relationship like for you guys with so many changes and uncertainties? I'm, I'm sure you just really relied on each other. Oh, big time. Um, yeah. My sister and I are and were very close and very, very close. Like I, she like, she's my girl. Like <laughs> don't, don't mess with her. Someone comes after her or anything of that nature. Just if I, 
I mean, I don't even know. Just anything. Like, she, she knows she can call me in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and same and same goes for me. Like, she, she's just awesome. She's, f- like, more fun where I'm more serious. And I think that's just, like, the dynamic just because I'm an older you know the older sister quote unquote Mm -hmm. and so it's yeah she keeps me more loose so it's good that's good yeah good good dynamics there so when you entered a new home like what were some things that foster parents did that made you feel comfortable and at ease and 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 ease that transition oh um Moving into that second home, that was awesome. They got down to our level, and mm-hmm. they asked us questions. Um, and I don't know what it is, but there is something about someone who is looking down at you and speaking to you versus someone who's looking at you in the mm-hmm. eyes and speaking to you. Um, and so I very much felt a lot more at ease there. Um, and having our older brother with us at that home um, mm-hmm. really was everything Hmm. that's cool um to any foster parents listening what is something you wish they knew and if they're in foster care right now or thinking about it um i would say a few things um kids who need love the most will show it in the most undeserving of ways and every hurtful word, aggression, misbehavior at its core is really a deep cry stating that I need you to help me feel safe. Mm. Um, and that especially goes for the older ones, too. Um, and I know that it is so hard to love us at times. I know that we can be absolutely terrible. Um, and still, you choose to do it. And for that, I think... I think a lot of parents don't really get to hear thank you a lot. And so I really want to make it known that all foster parents just thank you. Um, Thank you for loving us and choosing us and deciding that we're worth it um, and that we matter. um, And what you do matters. And whether you get to see it or not, um, the love and care that and the safety that you have provided for a child who is in care, um, that role that you played in their life is immeasurable. Hmm. That's really good. Um, and what, as you're, you know, you're going through your teenage years and you're graduating high school, um, how are you doing emotionally at this point? Um, like as you're, as your teenager and you've changed schools this many times and you changed homes. Um, what were, what were you like in those days? Throughout high school, I was a roller coaster, like up and down, um, happy-go-lucky, and then like sad, angry, mad. I mean, really, I could swing all across the pendulum in a day, Mm. really in like a matter of hours, and I had no clue it was happening. Um, Mm. And it wasn't something that I was ever aware of, Um, and it really, like at my core, I was completely just broken child hmm. like yes I was 14 15 what 16 17 18 and um, but I was really that seven-year-old little girl hmm. yeah. who got ripped from everything that she's ever known and placed into a world of unknown right. um, and so 
I think it came out in in a really a lot of ways. Um, but I still like I had fun. Like I had friends and I uh, did homecoming and I did you know I I I did get to participate in some of those like typical high school things. Mm-hmm. And you knew when you graduated you wanted to go to college. Yes, it was not like a wasn't really a plan it was just like a given like it was just like well of course you go to college like that like that's just what you do next that's just what you do and so and I love learning I always have I read a ton as a kid I still read a lot um but reading was my way of escaping everything around me and and so I just really that cultivated just a hunger in me just to keep learning and um yeah okay very cool and um and while you're in college you get connected to the family you're in now can you share how that happened yes that is a total act of god um so while i was in that last foster home i somehow wound up on a book launch team for jen hatmaker's book called for the love and then in that group was 500 total so 499 other ladies um and then i think there were like four men and but they never said anything in this group (laughs) um who helped launch the book and it really just turned into this giant community of people who and really wrapped their arms around me and supported me throughout high school and um, graduating high school and all of that. And so um, one person who was in there, her name is Tommy. She um, was also a launch team and she lived in the DFW area as well. And so I was working, I was nannying and working at a food preparation place and picking up kids from school and all sorts of things and going to school. And so I went to the gas station um, before to get some candy before picking up kids. And um, Tommy was conveniently doing the same. And so we had never seen each other at this point in person. We were friends on Facebook. Uh, and I talked to her and I said, hey, Tommy, it's me, Endo. And we talked and we chatted. And um, at some point she asked like what I was doing the rest of the day. And uh, somehow her husband offered to change my oil. And so I came over, and he changed my oil, and they got me pizza for dinner, and we ate, and I got to meet their kids, and we just hung out, and it was awesome, Um, and I just loved it. I remember going to, like, my next, I think I was just hanging out with friends afterward, but I went to my next thing, and I remember looking my friends in the eyes and telling, like, them, this family is something, like, like, there's something um, and so pretty soon after that, I started babysitting and house sitting. And then after the first time I house sat, her husband gave me, um, he like paid me and I was going to give him the key back. And he said, no, no, don't give me the key. Um, just keep it and just come over whenever you want. And I was like, okay, cool, <laughs> weird, but all right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll roll with this. Uh, and so I did not come over for like a very long time because I thought it was so weird. I'm like, I'm walking around with this random person's keys like on my keychain and ah, uh, like I don't know them that well, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so one day I did not have food. <laughs> um, 
and and those in between classes and school is just super close so their house was like 10 minutes away so I came here um, and I was hoping that there would be no one here and that I could walk in and like they'd leave no evidence that I had even been here Uh, (laughs) and that did not happen because I drove up and both of their cars were here and so I walked in and I ate like I could not back out whatsoever mm-hmm. so I walked in and I ate and I hung out and I just talked to them and it was so cool they like we just had a really good time um and so pretty soon after I that I was kind of like in like I um was over all the time I would spend the night like the night before I had school the next morning uh, just because it was a shorter commute and um I did holidays with them. They celebrated my birthday. Um, I did my first Christmas with them. She got me the, Tommy, she got me the same, like, gifts that the kids get. They, they do, like, the need, read, want, and wear. Um, and I got all four. And um, it was so sweet. And it, it just, yeah, they, they just really supported me um, big time in a way that I wasn't ready to receive yet Mm. I think from other people um and so I was house sitting or something I don't even remember how specifically happened but I was here at one point um while something happened within my bio family and it was just very hard and immediately like they were there they came in and stepped in and helped me with all sorts of things and um, really just made sure that I was physically, like, taken care of uh, while I was pouring out so much trying to help and take care of my family member. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was whenever my view of them kind of started to shift. And, and I really began to realize, like, oh, they, like, legit care about me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not a, oh, poor her, like, pity her. She was grew up in foster care and yada, yada, yada. And grew up homeless and moved 20 like it wasn't out of pity it was out of love Mm. um and so that kind of started to sink in and um they were just really there for me um and I um remember after the whole ordeal with my family was taken care of um I remember trying to leave and go back to where I was staying and I could not rest I could not sleep I couldn't do anything um, and it was just because I experienced the safety here that I had yet to experience. Mm. Um, and so I came back and I stayed here for almost a month. Um, and then I went back and one day I was just over here. I think I was eating something like cookies, something random. And so um, Randy just asked me if I'd like to move in. And I just kind of sat there for a while and was super quiet and like forgot I was even in the room um but in my brain it was an immediate yes but I um ended up taking a month and I prayed about it and spoke with my counselor about it and and just spoke with wise counsel and Mm -hmm. and even the family that I was living with prior and then I said yes and I moved in and became a part of the family that's really amazing yeah they're the best ever, ever, ever. <laughs> and you mentioned just feeling not ready to receive that that acceptance and that love. What was that journey like? Just letting yourself be a part of that family and accept what they were offering. 
Oh, it is a journey daily. It is mm. very, I mean, even now we're almost two years into it and it is still very much hard to accept it and mm. really know that it is true and that it's sure and that it's real. Um, because whenever you grow up in environments where you feel shame and unseen and silenced and not heard whenever you are placed in an environment where you are, of course you're going to buck up against it because that's not mm-hmm. what you're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has been a journey of really me trying to learn how to acquiesce um, into it and really allow myself to believe it mm-hmm. and, and receive it and really I came to a point where I recognized the need that I had for it. Um, and coming to that point was very hard in and of itself. But once I got there, I'm like, okay, so now what, how, how, how do I go back, but also stay here? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's like, because it's yes, like I am 21 and I'm an adult and I am very capable and lovely, but I'm also that seven-year-old girl who got ripped away from everything. I'm also that 10-year-old girl who got ripped away from everything. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so many different parts of me that did not receive what they should have received. And so all those parts of me get to receive that here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's an integrating and connecting, um, but it's, a conscious choice of me choosing connection um, over self-preservation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to put that. Very insightful. And you mentioned counseling. How did you start going to counseling and how has that been helpful? I um, was listening to a podcast in between classes and the podcast was talking about trauma And I finished it, and I felt so unsettled afterward. And I could not pinpoint why. Um, And so I actually ended up skipping class, and I listened to it again. And then it really sunk in that my entire life was trauma, and that it was indeed not normal. Um, And I was interning for a church at the time, and so I went to my boss, because it was a Wednesday night, so, you know, youth is happening. Uh, so I went to my boss and I was like, I just have to make something real. And he was like, what? And so I told him and I said, I think my whole life was trauma. And he just looked at me and he, he said, well, duh. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, what? And he said, Embo, of course it is. And I just kind of sat there dumbfounded, like, did everyone know but me? Was it mm. like, was there a giant PSA? <laughs> And I just missed it. I didn't get the memo, like, what's happening? Mm. And it really um, blew my mind. I, you just don't, you don't realize it whenever that's all you know. Right. Um, and so that Friday, I got into counseling, and I've been with that counselor ever since. And it's been a little over three years. Um, and that has helped me immensely mm-hmm. um, because I just realized how many of the circumstances and things that I internalized um, and interpreted Hmm. to be my own fault 
mm-hmm. um, and the, the intense shame that I feel. Um, and I have felt believing that all the things that happened were my fault and really just all the other different beliefs. Like at my core, I believed that I was not worthy of love and that I was unlovable and that I was damaged goods and that I was trash because that's what circumstances told me. And so mm-hmm. I would take, I would really take and make these unconscious messages that I was receiving from the circumstances that I kept finding myself in um, and making those the map of which that I lived my life out of, mm-hmm. whether I was even, and I wasn't even aware of it mm-hmm. at all. And so it's just been a journey of unlearning and relearning. And so being a part of a family is a part of that. And mm-hmm. um, I've lived with a ton of families and, and I've gotten to witness to, I've gotten to witness a lot of just different family dynamics. Um, and I've had the opportunity to be a part of them, but I just was not ready. Um, but with each family that I have lived with, I have, I, I, I can now look back and see that they were all kind of a stepping block where I kind of learned more and more with each family um, mm-hmm. to help prepare me for this one. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really incredible. And yeah, it's just fascinating. Like, it's like, as I'm hearing you say, it's like, yeah, of course, you've been through trauma. But if I was you, I would think like, yeah, of course, this is just my life. You know, I I totally get why you wouldn't even consider that. But then once you realize that, I'm sure it was just like putting a putting a lens on everything and like seeing everything through a different lens and able to kind of understand and process it a little bit more. Yes, exactly. It was, it it was, it really, that realization was jarring to me because Mm -hmm. it changed how I viewed holidays, how Mm -hmm. I looked at my mother, how Mm -hmm. I looked at my siblings and how I looked at my friendships, how I looked at my current relationships and how I looked at holidays, how I experienced holidays. I finally, it wasn't until that following Father's Day that I felt such grief mm. at not having a father. Yeah. And and that was something that I'd never thought about before. Right. Yeah, allowing yourself to grieve is so powerful. Whew. This is so good. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing this. Of course. Of course. Of course. Um, okay. So switching gears a little bit. Um, so now you work with an organization that works with foster kids. Can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Yes. So I work for DFW Angels. I am a case manager there. And so we um, have two programs that offer whole family support. Um, my first program is called the Love Box Program, and that is where a volunteer is matched with a foster family. And every month, um, the volunteer will bring a box of tangible goods and items and fun things for the family as a whole, um, and also an encouraging note to each family member. And really, the box is a conduit for relationship. Um, and the volunteer 
or volunteers get to spend time with the family and really focus on the kids that are in care um, and offer really an adult who is not their foster parent or not a caseworker, someone who's not paid to see them. Mm-hmm. And then we have our Dare to Dream program, and Dare to Dream is a one-on-one based mentorship program where um, children just get to learn really like basic adult things. Um, we have Dare to Dream Junior, which is helpful with navigating middle school. So that's for our 11 to 14 year olds um, navigating middle school. What does it look like to have good friendships and self-esteem, that sort of thing. And then for our 14 to 21 year old, it is, how do I budget? How do I write a resume? What are my post-graduation plans? How do I buy a car? How do I purchase an apartment? Just different um, things like things a parent would teach you. Yeah. Very cool. That's so awesome. What a great program. What point, at what point in your life did you realize that you wanted to work with somebody like this? I have, hmm, that's a really good question. I think I've really always have wanted to. Okay. And I knew that there was something that all of the crap that I went through gave me that was unique that I had to share with other people Mm. and it was just instinctual it just came in a different way than I have ever expected Mm -hmm. okay yeah I think it's like there's like you either want to you either have that sort of transformation and you want to use this to empower others or you just want to run as far away as from it as possible. Right. Um, but I think it's, it's one so powerful for you to be able to turn all this stuff into something really meaningful. And I think it's, re- I'm sure really helpful for the kids in care that you work with to hear from somebody who's been there, been where they are. Um, so when you work with, kids in the program what's your message to them what do you want to make sure that they know oh can I like say what I would say to any like child in care slash former foster child in care absolutely yeah um I would say a few things um first I would really I wish I could look every child or adult in the eyes and tell them that I am so sorry for what happened to you Mm -hmm. Um, I would tell them that it shouldn't have been that way and what happened is not your fault um, and that the depth of which that you experienced pain and hurt and confusion and shame and feeling silenced and unseen is also the depth of which that you can experience joy um, and love and Mm. feeling honored, safe and seen Mm. and you can experience good things you just have to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, another thing too that I would also say is that you are not confined to the box of being a quote unquote just a foster kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually hate the term foster kid. I prefer child in care because before they were a foster kid, they were a child. Mm-hmm. They were human first. Um, and so you can be more 
than a foster kid and you can do more um, and you can break out of that box and completely change the world. Oh, I love the way that you said that, that the depth of how you, of how they felt that pain, they can also experience that joy. That's, oh, that's beautiful. You're, you're 21, right? Yes, I'm 21. You graduate this year or next year? I will, yes. So I um, will graduate next year at UNT and with a degree in integrative studies, which is basically like a pick three. They call it different things at different universities. Hmm. Um, But my favorite communication is PR and marketing. And Hmm. afterward, I plan to get my master's in social work and continue working with DFW Angels. Wow, I love that. Okay, great. Well, Emma, it was amazing to talk to you. You have such an incredible perspective and message to kids in care and parents out there. So uh, thank you so much, and we just wish you the best in, in the future and everything to come to you. If your stories, if anything, just really connect with people and they want to follow up with you or follow you, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. I am at Embo Priscilla. There are not many of me, so I'm sure if you type in Embo, you'll find me. Okay, um, perfect. Or, yeah, or you can email me at Embo at dfwangels.org. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Embo for sharing that story with us. And thank you guys for listening. This will be our last episode of 2019. We'll be back in 2020 with the final episodes of season three. So stay tuned for that. And I wish you guys a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Talk to you soon.